0: The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on whom many were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptised with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptised by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house And Jesus, answering him, said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now when they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves who is this who even forgives sins and he said to the woman your faith has saved you go in peace
1: thank you sarah let me lead us uh, in prayer lord jesus we thank you for uh, this little bit of luke's gospel which as we'll see god willing is chock full of really practical and really helpful uh, teaching for us and for our instruction. Lord, um, we pray that our subject this morning, which is doubting Jesus, doubting that he is the one, doubting that all that the Word of God says about him is true, that you would really help those of us here who are experiencing doubts, which may be a great many of us. Speak to us powerfully and helpfully we ask from your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, there are two major themes in Luke's gospel that uh, we have been uh, studying in the section from chapter 3. These two themes are, number one, who Jesus is, and number two, what he has come uh, to do. And Luke writes you remember his purpose statement from the very beginning of the gospel to give us certainty. Now, if our subject today is dealing with doubts, John the Baptist is our example and our encouragement. Remember that Luke's purpose all the way through his gospel is to give us certainty. Certainty in the face of uh, doubts. Certainty about who Jesus is, and what he has come to do. Now, up to this point in Luke's gospel, Luke has uh, sought to teach us that Jesus is the Messiah, or the Anointed One, the the Savior, the one who has come in fulfillment of the promises of God, made centuries before through God's prophets, most notably in Luke's gospel, the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah. Now, you'll see on the service sheet that there are two bits. We're going to do part one today, part two uh, next uh, week. Our subject today is uh, Jesus answering our doubts. And just note the uh, logic and orientation of that heading. We're going to talk about doubts, us doubting Jesus, us doubting things about him, But the logic is always when it's grace is Jesus to us. So, Jesus answering our doubts. Jesus taking the initiative always through his word. Now, Jesus answers our doubts, the first half of the passage, that's 18 to 28. And uh, firstly, doubts about Jesus. John the Baptist, the great prophet... The one of whom Jesus says in this passage later on, there is no person born greater of woman than this man. The one of whom Jesus said he is not just a prophet, he is the prophet who heralded my arrival. A man who Jesus came up to and said, baptize me. A man who watched Jesus come up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus, Luke records in bodily form, probably as a, as a dove physically. A man, John the Baptist, who saw that and heard the voice from heaven break in to this realm, this world. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This man doubted that Jesus was the one. Now, I, I want you to find that encouraging. The strongest Christians have doubts. The people in Chalmers, if you've been in the church for a while, that you think would never have doubts. Doubts. Have doubts. Any of us can have doubts. All of us at times as Christians have doubts. Question one What did John the Baptist have doubts about? Answer whether Jesus was the one, the Messiah, the Savior. Verse 19, John sent his disciples to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Is Jesus really the Savior? Notice that John's doubts are not about peripheral things. They are not about incidental stuff. They are doubts about the very identity of, of Jesus. Let me ask you these questions and please I encourage you to answer honestly. Do you ever have doubts about whether Jesus really is the one, the Messiah, the savior? Do you ever have doubts that Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins? Do you ever have doubts that Jesus will bring you home to a new creation and eternity where there is no sickness, death, mourning, crying, or pain? Do you ever doubt that Jesus is sovereign over all, over the earth, over the nations, over your life, Do you ever doubt that Jesus has indeed defeated evil and death? Do you ever doubt that he loves you, cares for you, will sustain you by his grace? Do you ever doubt one of his promises, like he will never leave you nor forsake you? Do you ever doubt that Everything in your life is part of God's providence for you. Why did John the Baptist have doubts about Jesus? Well, because he was in prison, he was locked up. His circumstances caused him to ask questions about whether Jesus really was the one. After all, did Jesus not come to bring liberation? Yet John finds himself in prison. And more widely, John had witnessed, even in these early days of Jesus' ministry, not a widespread response to Jesus that was positive as much as a widespread opposition and rejection of Jesus, not least from the Jewish religious leaders. Surely, surely if Jesus was the Messiah, he would be able to convince them, persuade them that they would welcome him. What is wrong? Why do we, you and I, have doubts about Jesus' sovereignty, his power, his love, and his care? Usually, because we struggle to reconcile what we know about Jesus, what we believe about him, with the circumstances we find ourselves in. Why am I in this situation, this pit, in this place in life? Why has this happened to me? Why has Jesus let it happen? Let me be a little more pointed. Why are people in my family no closer to faith in Jesus now than they were 20 years ago? Why is there so little gospel progress or advance where I live in my life? Why is the church I go to disintegrating? Is Jesus really the one? Now, what did John do when he doubted? And uh, here's the profound take home from today's sermon. He didn't do nothing. He sent his disciples to Jesus. He turned to Jesus to answer his doubts. Now, I think that is striking and really important. He went to Jesus with his doubts, he couldn't go himself because he was in prison. But he sent two of his disciples to Jesus. The point is he took his doubts to Jesus. He didn't do nothing. He didn't accept his doubts. He doubted his doubts enough to go to Jesus. Now, if you have doubts about Jesus, and there will be people inevitably listening here, online, later on, who have big doubts about Jesus, Your circumstances are such that it's causing you to doubt if he is indeed all that he says he is and all that the Bible says of him. Don't do nothing. To sit in the place of doing nothing with real doubts about Jesus if he is indeed the one is but a small step from beginning to believe your doubts and turn away from Jesus. It's very hard when you have real doubts about Jesus to turn in the direction of Jesus and seek answers to them it is easier. Now I'm saying this born of my experience as a minister. It is easier for people to do nothing or more common. And then the step is to give in and to believe the doubts are right and to walk away from the Lord Jesus. Now let me just pause there and footnote that a little more. If that is your situation, I want to say to you that I fully understand that your mind and heart will be full of questions saying, but, but, I can't. It's too difficult. There are too many reasons for me not to believe that he is the one. I cannot turn to him. It is hard to do it. But let me encourage you within the context of a church family to take a tiny step even today to address your doubts and fight your doubts. How can you take a tiny step Speak to a Christian friend, speak to anyone in the church family, and let them help you take your doubts to Jesus. And if you are that friend and someone comes to you and shares their doubts, then take that person to Jesus, and we'll consider what that means in a moment. I want you to notice at this point what was Jesus' reaction to John's doubting. Remember who John is, of course. Doing nothing about our doubts is not a kind of theoretical position as if it never happens. It is very common. Why? Because why do you do nothing about your doubts? Why do you not move forward? Why do you move backwards often? One, because you are so discouraged. Because you are so beleaguered, because you are so cast down, and because the sense of loss or regret or guilt or pain is so real. Why might, what else might contribute to you doing nothing about your doubts? Because the devil keeps on whispering in your ear that you're right to doubt. Perhaps also because you're afraid to admit your doubts to another Christian. Just think of John, the great John, the great preacher John. I took humility, I think, from John to say to two of his disciples, I'm not sure that Jesus is the one. Can you go and ask him? I expect that took John a bit of humility. We're afraid to admit our doubts to another Christian, worried what they'll think of you. Say I walk along the road, as I sometimes do with people after the church to their car. And uh, say I, I, they say to me, you, well, you, you, how, how, do you, how do you deal with your doubts? And you could just see written all over their face. They're thinking, well, you mustn't have any. So how can you deal with it? And I say, well, what I doubt, I have doubts. And, all, you know, you're kind of hardwired to think, well, oh, they must think I'm a, a kind of inadequate minister then. <laughs> Or we're kind of an inadequate Christian if we have doubts. We're afraid to admit them to another Christian, worried what they'll think of us. Let me tell you what they will think of you in our church family if you tell them you have doubts about uh, whether Jesus really is the one in all manifestations of what that would mean. I tell you what they will do they will love you. They will love you. They will. And they will tell you that they have doubts as well. In a church family, we have one another to confide in to share our doubts. Do not be afraid of what other people will think. Turn to somebody. And may that be your practical step today. If you are struggling in this arena, do not let the sun go down today unless you say to somebody and express that to them. I wonder though if doing nothing about our doubts is also because we are afraid to admit our doubts to Jesus. I don't think that's a conscious thing. I think it's a subconscious thing. We feel in some ways that we've failed. Remember, uh, grace is what saves us. Grace gets us into the Christian life. Grace is there in every day of the Christian life as well do not think that you need to be perfect in the eyes of Jesus in any way, and that includes in the realm of doubts. You can never lose face with Jesus. You can't. Now, note here what Jesus' reaction was to John How did Jesus react to John's doubts? How did Jesus react to the man who had baptized him, who had witnessed the Holy Spirit descending on him in bodily form, and who had heard that voice from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased? What was Jesus' reaction? Did he rebuke John? No. Did he ignore John? No. He answered John's doubts. Why? Because Jesus is kind and good because he loved John and he loves us and will do the same. Jesus answered John's doubts. How? Now this is the important bit for us. How did he do it? What did Jesus do? What can you expect of Jesus? Verse 22. Read that verse with me. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised, The poor of good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Go and tell John. Go and tell John what you have seen with your eyes and heard with your ears. Go and tell John what you have seen me do. Giving the blind their sight. Helping the lame to walk. Cleansing lepers, raising the dead. Tell him what you have seen. And tell him what you have heard me say. Preaching the gospel repentance for the forgiveness of sins to those in spiritual need. Now at one level, Jesus is telling them to speak to John about the extraordinary things Jesus is doing, the extraordinary miracles, the evidence for who Jesus is. Simply that no one has ever done what Jesus did. Speak to him about the evidence. The evidence for who Jesus is, the miracles recorded in the Gospels, we often think these are there to persuade people who are not Christians to sit up and notice and listen to this man, and so they are. But these miracles are there just as much for you and me as Christians. The fact that Jesus stood on the prow of a boat and still the storm, removed the swell, removed the wind. The fact that he went into a graveyard and rendered a demonic man sane. The fact that he healed a woman of an incurable illness, raised a child from the dead. The fact that, as we were last Sunday in Luke's gospel, he healed a sick servant of a centurion who was far, far away with a word. And he broke into a funeral procession, touched the equivalent of a hearse in the ancient world, and a dead man sat up and talked. When I read that, and I read eyewitness testimony, what is happening to me is that the word of God, through Luke's record, is doing exactly what Jesus said to John, go and tell them what I have done. That doesn't teach me the theology of the cross. But it gives me no end of confidence that this man is the Messiah, the Savior, and that that is the world and the realm he has saved me for in eternity. Go and tell them what I have done. And if I stand at a gravesite or in a crematorium at yet another funeral... Read one of these accounts of what Jesus has done. And the doubts that you have about is Jesus really the one who saves from death, destruction and despair are combated by the evidence. Go and tell them what I have done. And you know that line is, is, we tend to default, go and tell that person who is not a Christian all the evidence that this man is God, and they will suddenly throw their lot in with the Lord Jesus. Well, sometimes they do, but often they don't. Luke is writing for Christians. Go and tell them. Tell them on Sunday morning. Tell them on Sunday morning what I have done. Tell them that I gave the blind their sight, that I unstopped the ears of the deaf, that I loosed the tongues of the mute, that I raised the lame to walk, that I healed the incurable, and I raised the dead. Now, that's for not yet in the new creation. But when Jesus walked on the earth, he did these things, he did these things. They are not faith stories. He touched a man at a funeral. And the dead man sat up and talked. Jesus gave the man back to his mother. Tell them what I have done. And uh, tell them what I have said. And when I have doubts, when you have doubts, about what the very heart of the Christian message is. We hear Jesus' words recorded in Luke: go and tell them what I have said. What did Jesus say? Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That is the heart of the Christian message. So at one level, how does Jesus respond to our doubts? He says to John, and of course we have this in Jesus' word, go and tell them what I have done and what I have said. We read God's word, what Jesus has done, and what he has said. But there's more here. And the more here is that what Jesus is doing when he is telling them to go and tell John that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, so on and so forth, is Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. And there's John in his prison cell. And, and if these. disciples of John went back and reported this verbatim. They would be saying to John, look, Jesus has done all of these things. And John's mind would have just gone to Isaiah when every one of these things was promised that that would happen. You see, the prophet Isaiah all these centuries before did not say that one day the Savior will come and he will do marvelous things. That one day the Savior will come and he will teach marvelous things. He said, the Savior will come. How will you know? The blind will receive their sight. The deaf will speak. The lame will walk, the dead will rise, and he will proclaim forgiveness of sins. That's how you know Jesus is the one, because of what he did, what he said, and that it was promised and fulfilled in him. When we studied uh, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel, Apparently, according to someone who emailed me, I I used to apologize regularly on Sundays for saying, why are we studying the gospel from 1 and 2 Samuel? Why don't we just cut to the chase and go to Luke or Matthew? And they suggested to me gently that I should stop apologizing for that because it might convince them that actually it was right. And they said to me, what an encouragement it was for them every week to read these books written hundreds of years before Jesus and to see Jesus written on every page. This must be true. The Old Testament, promise. The New Testament, fulfillment. Nothing we read in the life of Jesus. Nothing we read in the life of Jesus. And we're nowhere near the cross yet. We're simply in his miracles. Nothing we read in the life of Jesus was not prophesied, predicted. And we have so much more than John had. So Jesus might say, go and tell them, not just what I have done and what I have said, but go and tell them about the cross. Go and tell them about my death, my resurrection, and show them, show them from the Old Testament all these lines of prophecy fulfilled in me, the servant, the king, the sufferer. What do we do with our doubts? We take them to Jesus. How do we do that? We turn to Jesus' word the promise of the Scriptures, the Old Testament fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus speaks to us through His Word. Now, there is something else that is such a wonderful thing. Alongside that and in addition to that, Jesus speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of Christ lives in you and takes the word of God and applies it to your heart. So think of John the Baptist in prison. The disciples come back to him and says, this is what Jesus told us to say to you. This is what I have done. This is what I have said. And for John, that would have encouraged him. But for you and I as Christians in whom the Holy Spirit of Christ dwells, the Spirit of Jesus Christ writes, speaks, conveys, lays, burdens, bears these truths onto our hearts, gives us peace and assurance and comfort. And remember, all of this is irrespective of the circumstances we are in. I cannot explain as a pastor to you how and why you are in the circumstances you are in. I can't do that. What I can explain to you is go and tell them what I have done. Go and tell them what I have said. Go and tell them who I am. Take your doubts to Jesus in his word. And whenever Jesus' word is read and preached and taught and turned to and doubts are thus addressed, doubts are, well, I could say dispelled. Rarely for me when I have a real deep and strong doubt is that doubt dispelled in an instant. Doubts are dispelled over a lifetime as we keep on studying the Word of God, growing in our certainty our confidence in Jesus that he is the one, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord and King. I have, a, I have the great joy and privilege of a casebook of many people who have brought their doubts to Jesus and his Word and found these doubts addressed. Again and again and again, God proves himself to be true. Doubts about Jesus dealt with. Please do not do nothing with your doubts. Speak to someone. Address them today. Engage with someone. Talk to someone. Take your doubts to Jesus by turning to his word. Do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. People will not think badly of you. Jesus will not think badly of you. And with that thought, let me close with this. Doubts about Jesus. What about doubts about Jesus' messengers? Should we not think badly of one of Jesus' messengers who doubts? How can we trust the messenger if they have doubts? Should we trust the messenger if they have doubts? Now, from verse 24, it is quite clear how highly Jesus values John and how much he wants to affirm him in his role as an authentic messenger. Of the Lord Jesus, even though he doubts. Why did people go to hear John preach? What made him someone people should listen to? Because, and these are great descriptions yes, he had his internal doubts, but he was not like a reed shaken by the wind. People listened to John because he was not swayed by the direction the wind was blowing. Whether that was the prevailing culture or people's expectations or people's wishes, he preached repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He cut straight with the word of God. Moreover, people listened to John because he was a true servant of the Lord, a man of humility. People went to hear John People listened to John because they heard God speak through him. He was God's prophet. Not simply a prophet, but the prophet. One of whom Jesus said, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Do not doubt the messenger whether prophet like John or a Christian minister or your small group leader or another Christian, do not doubt them because they have doubts. After all, it is not their words you hang on. It is Jesus' words, and if another Christian that you trust or a minister is someone who is willing to admit that they have doubts. God will use even that to help you realize that it is not them ultimately that you depend on but the Lord Jesus as they also depend on him. It is the Savior to whom we all point in our weakness and in our doubts that matters in the end. John the Baptist, this great preacher, said, I am not worthy to untie even the straps of his sandals. It's him you need. John the Baptist, this great preacher, said, I can baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's him you need. John the Baptist had the courage and the humility to send his disciples to Jesus and say, are you really the one? Because it's Jesus we need. The messengers you should doubt are, one, those who are swayed by the wind, whose gospel message changes. Those who seek power, those who will not suffer for Jesus' sake and those who would look you in the eye and say they never doubt. That's the kind of messenger I would doubt. Because in the end, what this does for us all, preacher and listener alike, is it throws us to Jesus. And let me leave you with these words. Go and tell them. And these are Jesus' words to me, to you. Go and tell them what I have done. Go and tell them what I see. And that's what we do every week. And that's what gets us through life to eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the encouragement and comfort from your word. When people like John the Baptist have doubts, we pray, Lord, that if we are doubting who you are, your sovereignty, your power, any aspect of the working of that in our lives, that we would talk to someone, that we would not sit in the place of doubt, Without addressing them, talk to a Christian friend. Talk to someone in the church and together talk to the Lord Jesus by turning to his word. Help us, Lord, keep on and keep going in the Christian life. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.